You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Pain.tv slash Gold. Folks, this is episode 160, part three. And uh, this is how the technocratic sausage is made, folks. And you know I love food. I especially love Polish sausage. You know, so think of this like a cooking show, right? I'm breaking down this recipe for you. A recipe for disaster is essentially what this is. Recipe for technocratic disaster. Now, if you want to see how something is made, You can watch, you know, how things are made. How do they make bubble gum? You know, how do they make candy bars? How do they make those little plastic balls that go inside of the old McDonald play pits, you know, before we entered into a crazy world where you can't have that stuff anymore? I mean, this is how it's made, folks. And I find it to be fascinating, which is why I'm sharing it with you, because As I've gone deeper and deeper and deeper into the history of technocracy, eugenics, transhumanism, uh, what's called posthumanism, as I look into that, I also like to step back sometimes. I go, okay, well, how are they doing it? How is it going to be done? What's the technology that's going to create this? Because it's all driven on technology. It is the only way to build a technocracy, to build the technate, to build this technological prison planet is with technology. So if we truly want to understand it, if we want to know what these madmen are doing, let's look at it. And I'm sick of people saying, look, this is what's coming. If we don't stop Klaus Schwab, if we don't stop Yuval Noah Harari, if we don't stop Most people don't even know who Peter Thiel is if we don't stop Thiel or we don't stop Bill Gates or we don't stop Jeff Bezos or we don't stop Elon Musk. This is what they have in store for us. This is what they're already building. It is constantly being constructed every day. It's a Lego set. It's a puzzle. And they're connecting more Legos and putting more puzzle pieces together. And as they run into jams, Right, as they start to figure out that they need more Lego blocks or they need more puzzle pieces, they're going to build them. They're going to innovate. That's what they have the army of STEM graduates for the scientists, the technologists, the engineers, and the mathematicians. That's what they're there for. That is why the system encouraged people to go to school for STEM over the last 25 years. They're building an army of the actual worker bees, the people who are going to innovate and build the system. All right, let's look at Europe back here at digitalinfra.com. In Europe, Amazon Web Services operates or is planning eight regions and 24 availability zones. Specifically, AWS is available or will be opening in the following markets. Frankfurt, Germany, Dublin, Ireland, London, United Kingdom, Milan, Italy, Paris, France, Madrid, Spain, Stockholm, Sweden, and Zurich, Switzerland. And I happen to see a uh, Big Amazon warehouse being built in Poland. So I don't know if that's going to be AWS or that's going to be a retail facility. 
But it says here, within these markets, AWS operates data centers in the following regions. And uh, it's got Europe in Frankfurt, Europe Ireland, Europe London, Europe Milan, Europe Paris, Europe Stockholm. While the AWS is establishing its next two Europe data center regions, known as Europe Spain and Europe Zurich, in Madrid, Spain, and Zurich, Switzerland, respectively. And again, there's another chart here if you want to look at this. It says, in Madrid, AWS announced that it will open its Europe-Spain region in late 2022 and early 2023 with three availability zones. Additionally, in Switzerland, AWS announced that it will open its Europe Zurich region in the second half of 2022 with three availability zones. And now in United Kingdom, you have AWS's most important region in Europe. As such, in March 2022, AWS announced its plans to invest more than 1.8 billion pounds uh, which would be $2.2 billion over the next two years to build and operate data centers in the UK. In turn, AWS noted that it will more than double its total investment in the UK to date. Furthermore, AWS estimates that it is generating £8.7 billion, that's $10.5 billion, in economic value for businesses across the UK, which is equivalent to 0.4% of GDP. All right. Now, why do you think they need to keep building and expanding and putting in more regions and more zones and more locations and more data centers? Because I told you the collection of data and the creation of data is growing exponentially. Therefore, the data centers, the hubs for this also are growing exponentially. It says Asia Pacific. In Asia Pacific, Amazon operates or is planning 13 regions and 41 availability zones. Presently, AWS is available or will be opening in the following markets. Auckland, New Zealand, Hong Kong, SAR, uh, Hyderabad, India, Jakarta, Indonesia, Melbourne, Australia, Mumbai, India, Osaka, Japan, Seoul, South Korea, Singapore, Sydney, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Korea, Singapore, Sydney, Australia, Tokyo, Japan, Beijing, China, and Changsha, China. All right. Within these regions, Amazon operates data centers in the following regions. Regions. They have Asia Pacific, which is Hong Kong, Asia Pacific, Jakarta, Asia Pacific, Mumbai, Asia Pacific, Osaka, Asia Pacific, Seoul. Asia-Pacific Singapore, Asia-Pacific Sydney, Asia-Pacific Tokyo, China-Beijing, and China-Ninja. Uh, now, you would say to yourself, listen, Jeff Bezos and his boys are smart. They came up with this one day in his lake house. Give me a break, folks. Give me a break. It reminds me of when I was a kid. I don't know, going back, it might have been high school, freshman year, sophomore year buddy of mine dan his father was uh like a tech nerd he was an engineer for schick razor company and he actually did testing quite interesting they had these plastic heads and his father would do these tests on how many shaves it took for the blade to wear out and then his father was in the uh, i remember back in high school it was when they came out with the two blade the three blade the four blade it was the race to how many blades what are they up to now 112 blades 
and he was running all those tests. Well, at home, one of the things his dad did is he built little websites. Back then when they had the GIFs. Yeah, GIFs were popular back then, folks. They made a comeback in the last couple of years with the meme world. But uh, his dad would make these websites with little GIFs, like the waving American flag. So he did one for a friend of ours who had a sign company. Uh, anyway, his dad was a nerd, so my buddy was a nerd, and he was always paying attention to tech. And I was a nerd in a sense with him because we would play around with the early stages of like Photoshop and we would record music and then bring it in and tune it up in some software. Well, I remember when Google popped up, right? And his dad and uh, my buddy and his dad were following that. And the next thing you know, there's Google satellite trucks driving around mapping the whole freaking country. Well, they're building Google Maps. Nobody said to themselves, how does this company, Google, just show up with a crappy search engine at the time? And the next thing you know, they're driving trucks around, scanning neighborhoods, building a map of the whole country. No one questioned this. Where does this come from? Who's really funding it? Who built the satellite trucks to scan the planet, the satellite and the camera trucks to scan everything and build Google Maps. These guys just contracted a company to build special cars for them and cameras for them and software and hardware. Come on, give me a break. And now we know that the precursor to Google Earth, Google Maps, was a company started by the CIA through their venture firm, InQtel. That is a publicly available information. So see that back then, we were all tricked and lied to. And if you think Amazon is doing this without the cooperation of not just our government, but the worldwide governmental structure, you're out of your mind. They're just showing up, building warehouses. China's like, oh, the U.S. is an enemy of ours, but you come in, you build it, house our Intel data, and you house their Intel data, and then... We house each other's Intel data. We trust Jeff Bezos won't share Intel data between countries. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, wrapping up here, it says, in addition, AWS is establishing its next three Asia-Pacific data center regions known as Asia-Pacific Auckland, Asia-Pacific uh, Hyderabad, and Asia-Pacific Melbourne and Auckland, New Zealand, uh, Hyderabad, India, and Melbourne, Australia, respectively. And then, again, there's another chart here if you want to take a look at it. Now, it goes on to say um, Asia-Pacific, Auckland, and New Zealand. In New Zealand, AWS announced that it will open its Asia-Pacific, Auckland region in 2024 with three availability zones. Once live, AWS's Asia-Pacific region will be its first in New Zealand, giving customers with data uh, residency requirements the ability to run workloads and store data that must remain in-country. In establishing and operating its AWS region in Auckland, the company is planning to invest up to 4.7 billion U.S. over the next 15 years, including both capital and operating expenditures. Furthermore, AWS's investment will support an additional 1,000 full-time equivalent jobs in New Zealand's economy over the next 15 years. Okay, so at least they're creating jobs, right? Jobs for scientists and engineers to help build their own prison planet to dig their own grave 
Uh, if you're looking at uh, Hyderabad, India, it says in India, AWS announced it will open its Asia-Pacific region in mid-2022 with three availability zones. Specifically, AWS region will have data center locations in the state of Telangana, with Hyderabad being the state's capital and largest city, as well as an import hub for IT professionals and entrepreneurs. Uh, technocrats. Additionally, once live, Asia-Pacific will be AWS's second region in India following the opening of its Asia-Pacific Mumbai region in June 2016. And finally, Asia-Pacific Melbourne in Australia. In Australia, AWS announced that it will open its Asia-Pacific Melbourne region in the second half of 2022 with three availability zones. Once live, this will be AWS's second region in Australia following the opening of its Asia-Pacific Sydney region in November 2012. Folks, it, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. All right, they need to get all of these new data centers online because they are the brain of the smart cities, of the smart villages, of the overall technique. The villages and the cities and the districts are just sectors, okay, within the whole smart planet system. It's a giant prison yard, a prison planet, okay, a giant prison planet with all of these different sectors broken up into districts and regions and, and, and just segments, and this is how it works, and it's all connected through the fiber lines, through the Wi-Fi, through the 5G. This is how all the information is shared and the data is stored. But if they can keep humans locked down to a geographical location, right, using the 15-minute cities, the smart cities, the smart villages, and keep people confined, it will be much easier to actually manage them. All right, I've thought this through. Because you could now have a data center that powers that one 15-minute district. And if you keep people confined, that data doesn't necessarily have to be shared all over the place, all over the world at the same time. Less computing power, all right? Less energy, less electricity. So if you keep people confined, you're basically building these small biodome cities, which I explained to you earlier. It's easier to manage people and to create a system like this if you have everyone locked into basically their own Petri dish. So this is part of why they want to confine people to a specific geographical area, because then that data that is managing, uh, that is uh, enslaving, all right, that is regulating those folks that live in that region doesn't have to be shared all over the place. It can all be done right in that region. And it's powered by, let's say, a floating barge data center, a giant floating hard drive. Ladies and gentlemen, when I get back, we're going to wrap up this article. I'm going to show you Amazon's custom fiber they're building. And then we'll just quickly run through these other companies and we'll move on from the data centers. I think at this point, you are understanding this. You've got a pretty good idea, folks, that the prison planet is being erected all around us. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. 
pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. And you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, we're back at digitalinfo.com. Just quickly here, folks, the Middle East and Africa region here, Amazon operates or is planning four regions and 12 availability zones, particularly AWS is available or will be opening in the following markets, Cape Town, South Africa, Manama, uh, Bahrain, Tel Aviv, Israel, and Dubai, United Arab Emirates. Now, we know... Dubai is one giant smart city. Uh, Israel's quickly becoming such. Um, It says here within these markets, AWS operates data centers in the following regions, Africa, Cape Town, and Middle East, Bahrain, while AWS is establishing its next two Middle East data center regions known as Middle East Israel and Middle East UAE in Tel Aviv, Israel and Dubai, United Arab Emirates, respectively. All right, and again, we have another one of these charts. It says, in Tel Aviv, AWS announced that it will open its Middle East region in the first half of 2023 with three availability zones. Notably, in April 2021, the government of Israel selected AWS as the primary cloud service provider for $1.2 billion Nimbus project. All right, so Israel is now partnered with AWS. I told you, all of these governments are interconnected and they're all using the supposed American company, Amazon, uh, to build out their uh, smart planet brains. It says, as part of this effort, government ministries and subsidiaries in Israel will use cloud computing services and will provide new digital services for Israel's citizens. Okay, so at least you get access to that. In the prison planet, we will be inclusive. Uh, Additionally, in Dubai, AWS announced that it will open its Middle East region in the first half of 2022 with three availability zones. And this would probably be a good time to stick this in here, folks. I I know legal man over at the Quash had a conversation running on his Twitter, U.S. Crime Review. Uh, He used to be U.S. Law Review, but he had to change his account because he was being censored. So it's U.S. Crime Review. And he was talking about uh, the Russia-Ukraine situation. And I had pointed out to him, we covered it here on the show. You know, Ukraine is being destroyed, everyone says, being destroyed. They're out there from the government levels marketing the fact that they're a giant smart country. They're one huge technocracy. They launched their CBDC pilot. Oh, and guess what's coming in the next few days? Putin is launching his CBDC pilot in Russia after calling for a worldwide central bank digital currency. All right, Russia has a central bank, Ukraine has a central bank, all connected to the same system. Of course, they had to play this as real, so the Bank for International Settlements banned the Bank of Russia, their central bank, at the beginning of the kickoff of the war situation from being part of that system. It's ridiculous, folks. I mean, you could find it's it's a show. It's theater. Unfortunately, 
And a good friend of mine, Dan Golvach, has been following what's going on because obviously the United States is meddling over in uh, Poland, unfortunately. I can't escape them, folks. Even if I go to Poland, I can't escape the tyrants from here in the United States. But it looks like they're trying to turn this into a full-blown hot war situation. So uh, hopefully I'll have Dan on. I'll let him come out and talk about his research because I just don't have time to uh, deal with it at this point. Um Let's just look. I'm not going to go into this because we talked about cloud computing, but this gets into the advantages of cloud computing. AWS highlights six advantages of cloud computing, which can be delivered through its scaled portfolio of data center locations. So they get into fixed versus variable cost, economies of scale, uh, capacity certainty, speed and agility, operating and maintaining data centers and then global all right so they get into those i'm not going to talk about it because we've gone into depth on cloud computing and i don't think i need to uh, go over all that with you again but what i do want to bring in here before i show you the maps sort of the pages on these other major companies. And you should use, if you're interested in this, DGTL, uh, DGTL Infra, I-N-F-R-A.com as a source. If you want to go look at all the data centers that these companies are building, and then I will show you another source that I used as well. I'm not going to go through all of it because it, it would take me months. You know, what am I going to write a book on data centers? I'm just trying to get caught up on uh, my understanding of the technology, how it works, so I know what they're building. And this way, when people say to me they can't do it or they're going to run out of materials or they're going to run out of space, you know, I'm able to say, well, look, I, I appreciate your input on this, but uh, if you haven't studied the technology and the technologists, and the money and the investments and the government partnerships and actually looked at the infrastructure that's being built uh, while we are being distracted by Chinese spy balloons and Lindsey Graham or whatever the hell people are paying attention to. This is what's actually being built by real people, uh, including by one of your neighbors, you know, is working on this. Uh, this is from March 2022. So about a month ago it says aws direct connect site link commoditizing carrier hotels and this says aws direct connect site link is a new capability of aws direct connect that allows users to create connections between their on-premise locations including branch offices and data centers through the aws global backbone network although site link is simply built as a new capability or feature the widespread uptake of SiteLink could have far-reaching implications on data centers, including the possibility of commoditizing carrier hotels. Over the past few years, as more and more applications have shifted to the cloud, the cloud service providers like Amazon Web Services have gained greater importance relative to multi-tenant data center operations. In particular, this theme has been showed in the commoditization of wholesale and hyperscale data centers, where development yields are being pushed lower and renewal rental rates on like-for-like -like hyperscale leases continue to decline by mid-teens percentages from legacy pricing levels. 
Now, with the introduction of AWS Direct Connect Site Link, the shift towards commoditizing network-centric carrier hotels is beginning. Instead of purchasing transport services that essentially trace AWS's global backbone network, users are going directly to the source with AWS Direct Connect Site Link. With this background, DGTL Infra first provides an overview of AWS's Direct Connect, which is necessary in order to understand SiteLink. Subsequently, we review AWS Direct Connect SiteLink, including its benefits and the drivers behind its creation. Finally, we highlight the implications of AWS Direct Connect SiteLink on multi-tenant data center operations operators, particularly those with carrier hotels. And so this article here, all right, is going to break down how all this is done. We're not going to go through all of it. I just like to highlight when I find new technologies, because as I said, they're continuing to grow the technology. They're continuing to innovate as they're putting the pieces together of the infrastructure of the technocratic prison planet. Let's just look at this. It says Amazon has 108 direct connect locations available in 32 countries located across Africa, the Americas, Asia, Pacific, Europe, and the Middle East. And so there is a, let's just open this up. There is a map here. All right. And so you can look at where all of this tech is located. All right, and what exactly they are building. I'm not going to go through this with a, a fine-tooth comb with you right now. But uh, this article goes into what's called um, Direct Connect provides a way for customers to physically connect to the AWS backbone network through a Direct Connect point of presence, a POP. AWS Direct Connect POPs reside in multi-tenant data centers of interconnection focus operators, including Equinix, Digital Reality, and CoreSight, some of the companies we covered the other day. More precisely, the following are select examples of important AWS Direct Connect POPs globally. And so they have a breakdown here of what's in the United States, Canada, EMEA, Asia Pacific, India, South America, and Australia. And what this does, folks, it says AWS Direct Connect is a cloud service that links a user's internal network to an AWS Direct Connect location over a standard Ethernet fiber optic cable bypassing the Internet. As shown below, a physical connection is made between a user's on-premise locations, which can take the form of a data center or branch office and an AWS Direct Connect pop. All right, let's look at this. This is important because the reason why I'm going through this, you'll, you'll see in a second. All right. So you have this uh, data center connected up to the AWS Direct Connect. It says location where you connect directly to AWS infrastructure. All right, over here on the far left, you have data center and branch office. And then the branch office also connects to the AWS Direct Connect. The Direct Connect connected to the data center and then connected to the branch office talks to each other. There's a site link connection between direct connect locations. And then it comes full circle connection to AWS resources in any region. And then it goes out to the world, any AWS region. So it says here, historically, when users needed direct connectivity between their data centers or branch offices, they had to rely on the public internet. 
or costly and difficult to deploy fixed networks. Instead, by connecting directly to AWS, users can improve their application performance and consistency while achieving lower latency. This is because while in transit, network traffic remains on the AWS global backbone network and never traverses the public internet. Why is this important? I have said before on this show, the Dustin Gold Standard, and I have told dear friend of mine, Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, that a lot of the technology that we, you and me, are interacting with isn't necessarily the technology that the technocrats are using. I've explained to her, or tried to, and maybe didn't do a great job, is that the internet that we are connecting to, when we go outside and we're standing in the parking lot of uh, the Walmart or something, and we're not getting service, is not necessarily the internet or the connection lines that the technocrats are using to run their operations. All right, and I'm going to show you a, a video, maybe tomorrow we'll do it, let me mark that down, on uh, 5G. And how that all works in these replicators and everything. We'll go through that. But the point being here is that this AWS Direct Connect, in simple terms, layman's terms, if you're a technologist and engineer, I know this is very simple. But for the regular audience out there, what happens is now you could take, for instance, I'm not talking about from private companies, let's say a smart city. And the smart city wants to take all the data they're collecting from the sensors and the smart poles and everything else and put it over to their data center and be able to pull that data back. And you go, well, how are they doing it? This internet connection in this city is terrible. Yeah, the internet connection that you and I have access to, whether we're accessing that at home through a hard wire that's going into our router or into our modem and creating Wi-Fi inside of our house or apartment, or whether we are out walking around, we're using AT&T, T-Mobile, or Verizon, and we're walking around and getting a bad signal, well, the smart city could be collecting all the data and then transferring the data on its own private line right to its Amazon data center and pulling the data back, processing the data, analyzing the data, all on this big Amazon private network. So the smart city hub, their neural network, their headquarters where they run the smart city like in Coral Gables that I showed you, they could have a line going out right to their brain, which is their uh, Amazon web services server, you know, or servers, It's nobody knows which server you're on, but that data center. Or if Amazon type system is running one of these floating barges, Right, And so they have a direct connect. They're not operating on the internet that you and I are operating on. See how it works, folks? They have back doors to everything. And this is why it's important to understand the technocratic sausage and how the technocratic sausage is made. And I love food, folks. I'm getting hungry, and we got a while to go. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dust Gold with the Dust Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. 